You're listening to the Drive Forward Podcast. We're cruising through the latest in transportation to inspire a better tomorrow. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Drive Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jankowski. Today, we're chatting with Neil Peterson, the Transportation Review Board's Executive Director. Well, welcome to the Drive Forward Podcast, Neil. We're really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's go ahead and jump on in. Why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about the Transportation Research Board and your role and efforts there? Thank you, uh, Emily, for inviting me to participate in this podcast. The Transportation Research Board, or more commonly known as TRB, is part of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and uh, Medicine. We uh, like to say that we have three major functions, convening, research, and advising. We're probably best known for our annual meeting that's held every January in Washington, D.C. This year we had 14,000 attendees. We have uh, 8,500 volunteers on 180 committees and over 300 research panels uh, and a staff of 130 that uh, manages our various programs. So I guess you could say that my job really is to be uh, trying to provide strategic direction, oversight, and steering that huge battleship that is known as uh, TRB really to be focused on the most important transportation issues across all modes of transportation. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, as the executive director of TRB, I'm sure you've had many civil engineers reach out expressing how COVID-19's changed a great deal of things for us here. How are you seeing this pandemic affect the various sectors of transportation? Well, obviously, COVID-19's had a dramatic impact in the short term since uh, much of the nation went into lockdown in March and April timeframe. So we can talk some about what some of the short-term impacts uh, have been. But uh, I think perhaps the more interesting thing from a research standpoint is to try to think about what some of the longer term impacts might be. So the most dramatic impacts were in aviation, where in April, uh, there was a 96% reduction in the number of persons who were going through TSA checkpoints and uh, a large uh, reduction in terms of uh, number of flights as well. That's recovered somewhat, but we're still looking at only about a quarter or 25% uh, as many people boarding airplanes uh, today as did a year ago at this time. Uh, Impacts on highways were not quite as dramatic, uh, about a 44% reduction in traffic volumes in April, although that varied considerably by part of the country. We're now looking at volumes that are about 10% less, although in some areas they've fully recovered from what the volumes were a year ago at this time. And obviously it's affected a great deal by where we have COVID-19 flaring up you tend to see uh, more reductions. Transit also had uh, very dramatic reductions, especially on um, commuter rail systems, on subway systems, where we were seeing volume reductions of as much as 95%, bus volumes uh, reductions on the order of 70%. And there's been uh, some recovery, but not that much. And thinking about the future, it's really going to be dependent upon people's willingness to be able to be in shared modes like transit. Another impact was on ride hailing or sometimes known as the transportation network companies like Uber and Lyft, where they saw volume reductions of 90% as well. And that's also been very, very slow. So 
Obviously, the shared modes are the ones that have had uh, the biggest impact and have had the slowest recovery as well. Uh, we've also seen dramatic increases in telework. Prior to COVID-19, we were seeing about 10% of the workforce uh, teleworking full-time. Some of the surveys that have been done showed that at the peak of the pandemic, that was up to almost 50% uh, of the workforce. That started to come down somewhat, but one of the big unknowns right now is how permanent will the use of telework by workers, and that obviously will have dramatic impacts on peak period travel and peak period traffic. If we look at goods movement, truck travel really did not decrease nearly as dramatically as passenger cars or transit or airlines because the supply chain really needed to continue to be operational. So we saw for long haul uh, truck travel reductions of on the order of about 10% uh, overall. Uh, within metropolitan areas as high as 25%, but it's uh, close to fully recovering now in terms of truck travel volumes, maybe down at 5%. Where we saw bigger impacts on goods movement really was on uh, maritime and uh, goods moving through ports as well as on the rail system. Port traffic was down on the order of 20 to 25%, starting to recover somewhat. Rail was down between 20 and 25% as well. That's starting to recover as well. Probably the biggest, most dramatic impacts for rail were on shipment of autos and auto supplies, and those have almost fully recovered at this time. And then perhaps one of the more dramatic impacts uh, has been on e-commerce, where we saw almost a doubling of uh, e-commerce during the peak of the pandemic. And that has continued to uh, remain very high and will be interesting to see what long-term impact is going to be there. Absolutely. I think you make really good points in talking about the ways that are prominent ways of transportation, right? Like aviation and, you know, our common commuter traffic was impacted, but it's, it's really interesting to see how prior to COVID-19 forms of transportation like ride hailing services were really thriving, especially with shared ridership opportunities and e-scooters and docked bike share systems were really excelling. Electric vehicle charging stations were really re-envisioning vehicle ownership with the possibility of a shared experience. And futuristic autonomous vehicles showed promise of driverless shuttle services and even ride-hailing opportunities. How have these forward-thinking forms of transportation or these kind of out-of-the-box ideas that were just kind of coming to being, how do, how do you think that they've been impacted by COVID? And how do you foresee civil engineers re-envisioning their aspirations for these forms of transit. So again, I think we need to think both short-term and longer-term when we uh, start to look at some of these uh, innovative services. So as I mentioned, obviously ride-hailing was uh, impacted very severely with reductions of as much as 90% in pasture traffic. But Uber in particular has replaced some of that reduction with uh, deliveries of food, for example, both from restaurants and from uh, grocery stores. It's been mixed in terms of uh, impacts on systems like uh, e-scooters and bike share systems. Uh, some of the private companies actually uh, actually went out of business or 
fully pulled out of some markets. So it'll be interesting to see if other companies come in to be replacing them. Some of the uh, metropolitan-owned DAC bike share systems did have uh, reductions on the order of 40 to 50 percent, but I think that's starting to recover now uh, as well, that we're coming out of the depths of the uh, pandemic. Uh, I think the more interesting long-term thing to be contemplating is uh, what impact will the pandemic have on people's willingness to be able to use shared ride systems? And that's going to be um, impacted by uh, several different factors. So if we start to look at uh, transit, and you made mention of uh, autonomous transit shuttles as an example, but just overall use of transit is clearly going to be impacted by how much teleworking will we have in the future. Will some of the office space in uh, central business districts start to downsize or actually move out of central business districts uh, as well? So autonomous transit shuttles really are expected to be a first mile, last mile service primarily to be accessing line haul transit. But we still have a big question in terms of how much will transit ridership recover? It had been on a slow, steady decline prior to COVID-19. It's still obviously down a great deal, and we just don't know how much it's going to uh, recover at this time. The other phenomenon that I guess we, we really need to be thinking about and continuing to be doing research on is what is people's willingness going to be to be sharing vehicles with complete strangers? It's one thing to be using an Uber or Lyft vehicle that has a driver in it and sharing it with a complete stranger. It's another thing to be getting into a completely autonomous vehicle with strangers. And what is going to be travelers' willingness to be able to use uh, those types of systems? We can't consider the traveling public to be one homogenous group. It's obviously many, many different types of travelers, and we'll probably see uh, more and more of these uh, systems being developed for various segments of the uh, traveling public as well. I think with regard to electric vehicles, I think uh, the move to electric vehicles is inevitable. I think some things that we need to be thinking about uh, associated with electric vehicles is, will they be privately owned or shared use? And what will be the trends uh, in terms of that? In terms of autonomous vehicles, I think the, the current trends look like goods delivery will probably be the first use of completely autonomous vehicles, driverless. Um, and you will see autonomous shuttles probably next, but primarily in slow speed settings. Uh, so on campuses or access to rail stations, those uh, types of things. Uh, it's clearly taking longer to be developing what are sometimes called level four, level five vehicles or driverless vehicles uh, than had been anticipated several years ago. And they're still probably several years off in the future. Absolutely. Well, one of the main points that you made that I, I kind of taken away here is talking about this shift um, that we may see, whether in our commute or uh, like you mentioned with businesses perhaps moving outside of city hubs. Many of us during the pandemic are asking ourselves this lingering question of when things will be able to return to normal. And policymakers really rely heavily on universities and research-based organizations to answer the when and how questions. But perhaps the question should be instead, how do we think 
outside of the box to reimagine and navigate a different way of life. So I guess what I'm asking you all is how are civil engineers starting to get creative during this time? How have you seen maybe your network of peers beginning to reimagine transportation given the pandemic? So there are several different ways I think that we really need to be thinking about this. The first is uh, a term that we use is trip substitution, trips that will actually not be made in the future. So whether it's through e-commerce and having delivery of, of goods instead of going to stores to be buying them, goods delivery being made by robots uh, instead of by individuals, uh, I think uh, a lot of the lead transportation thinkers, particularly with, within urban areas, are starting to rethink the design of streets. Having more dedicated uh, bike lanes or uh, scooter lanes or bus lanes, widening of sidewalks, actually repurposing the use of sidewalks to have more outdoor dining uh, as an example, more outdoor retail activity. Now, as we rethink the future of the transportation system, we really need to be thinking about how will demand change long term. We, we've been seeing over the course of the last several years, for example, a number of shopping malls really having problems and some of them shutting down. I think there's a real question in terms of what the whole future of home-based shopping trips are going to be and how should we be reimagining that where will retail be located? Um, you know, some of the malls that are shutting down now are actually becoming Amazon fulfillment centers. So just really rethinking where trips are coming from, where they're going to is something that we really need to be thinking about as well. Uh, what is going to be the role of autonomous vehicles uh, in the future? And how quickly will we uh, move to autonomous vehicles? Some of the hype, particularly over the last several years, uh, I think has proven to be a bit too optimistic. If we just realistically think about it, the, the average pastor car now is uh, in service between 15 and 20 years. So it's going to be quite a long time before we really see uh, turnover in vehicles. Uh, are people going to be willing to give up ownership of their vehicles? Are they uh, going to continue to want to have that vehicle that they own available to them at any time. Another area that uh, I think that COVID-19 has really exposed that we need to be doing a lot more thinking about our equity issues. The transit system ended up being used by uh, essential workers uh, during the pandemic. I think it showed the importance of the transit system for transportation of essential workers, but also as transit systems had to be scaling back some of the impacts that we had for essential workers. And it's not just essential workers, but really the economically disadvantaged. From a policy perspective, what do we really need to be thinking about and making sure that we do have a system that is providing that access to opportunity for the economically disadvantaged? And then we, I think, need to start to imagine, uh, will there be more and new types of smaller vehicles uh, available for short trips? Uh, obviously, e-scooters is one example of that for very short 
trips, but there's only a certain number of people that can be using that. But do we need to have uh, full-size pasture vehicles or SUVs for trips in the three to six mile range? Or can we be really thinking about smaller vehicles that might be designed for only one or two people? And what does that mean in terms of things like uh, parking? I think another area that we really need to be thinking a lot more about uh, for the future is curb management. Rather than curbs being uh, available primarily for people who are doing on-street parking, there's going to be a lot more delivery vehicles. There's going to be, as we get into more shared-use vehicles, uh, pickups and and drop-offs. So I think this is another area that uh, we need to be doing a lot of thinking about for the future. Absolutely. Well, you raised a lot of good points in terms of questions civil engineers need to begin thinking about, certainly equity being up there at the top and how we re-envision and reimagine what that could look like and how we can enable transportation uh, in the future. Well, speaking of you know the future, Neil, what, what do you hope your legacy will be at the Transportation Research Board and what impact do you hope to leave in the field of transportation with TRB's programs and research? TRB is an organization that is really uh, driven by our volunteers. Uh, We have 180 standing technical committees. We rely on volunteers for really providing oversight for all of our research. And one of the responsibilities that I've really felt that I've had as executive director and where I've really tried tried to, uh, I guess, refocus TRB is really to be trying to think more about what are the problems and issues 10 to 20 years in the future that we should be thinking about and preparing for and doing research as opposed to really focusing primarily on what today's issues are. So I think having much more of that future focus, uh, addressing what the most important critical issues are that we need to be uh, thinking about. You know, in the past, TRB used to do a critical issues document about every five years, and they would identify somewhere between five and 10 current issues to be focusing on. Our current critical issues document has identified 12 major topic areas, but 63 issues. So there's really a very, very wide range of issues that we need to be thinking about and focusing on for the future. The whole focus on equity, the whole focus on diversity and inclusion, making TRB a much more diverse organization. And not just from a gender perspective or from ethnic or racial perspective, but really the disciplines that we have involved uh, in transportation, very, very wide range of issues and bringing more than non-traditional disciplines into TRB, bringing many more uh, international partners into TRB. We currently have about 17% of the attendees of our annual meeting are from outside the United States. I want to continue to see that grow and develop more partnerships with uh, international organizations. We've had a big focus in terms of increasing communications about the work that we do as well, so that there's a greater appreciation for the work that TRB does and more use of it as well. And TRB has a very important role in terms of professional development. I actually felt my involvement in TRB over the last 40 years has been probably the most important part of my professional development during my career. And uh, helping more people recognize how TRB really can be helping them from a professional development uh, perspective. 
I guess I want to wrap up by saying that I, I really hope that TRB's annual meeting can continue to really be seen as being the premier transportation event uh, of the year. Uh, as I mentioned, we had 14,000 this past year. This year, we're, uh, coming January, we're, uh, we're going to have to go virtual. I see that actually as an opportunity to continue to grow uh, participation in the annual meeting, having, having many more people uh, involved as well. So hopefully uh, continued growth, continued outreach, and con continued involvement by a much broader and diverse set of stakeholders, I hope is a legacy that I can be leaving. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the work that you do. And I hope, you know, our students certainly value their time uh, at TRB and just know how much of a stakeholder you are for so many uh, civil engineers out there. And Neil, that's all I had for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Drive Forward podcast. And listeners, thank you so much for staying tuned in. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much, Emily. The Drive Forward podcast is a production of Illinois Center for Transportation, a research center of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. We invite you to subscribe to the Drive Forward podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And while you're there, feel free to like or rate us. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation rolling by using the hashtag DriveForward. Forward.